Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and I'm really excited about this week's interview. I am going to be talking to an old friend of mine from uh, quite a while back, who I haven't talked to in a while, about what's involved in anarchist mutual aid in war zones, and specifically Ukraine and, and the things that are going on there. Yeah, I'm really excited for you all to hear this conversation. But first, I'm excited for you all to hear that we're a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts. And here's a jingle from another show on the network. Toy Rules for What is a podcast about fascism and the far right from the perspective of the left. It's obviously great stuff, but don't take our word for it. Here is a word from our sponsor. I'm Jordan Peterson. Now that I have been injected with the anti-fascist super soldier serum, I renounce all my rubbish beliefs about hierarchies and the distribution of sex and dedicate my life, my soul, to the 12 rules for what podcast. So that's 12 rules for what? A podcast about the far right. Get it anyway, you get your podcasts. 12 rules for what? This is Margaret from the future coming back to say that this episode deserves a content warning uh, near the end of the episode, and there will be some heads up. We will be talking about, hey, so I hear you were attacked. Um, that part contains graphic descriptions of war and violence. And so listener discretion is advised. Okay, we're back. So if you could introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns, and then kind of a brief description of why you are in a good place to talk about anarchist mutual aid in places of active conflict. So my name is Agatha. My pronouns are they, them. Um, yeah, I went over to Ukraine last year about this time to do mutual aid support uh, with anti-authoritarian units and anarchist units. <clears throat> Things got fucked up on my way over there so that wasn't a possibility any longer so i just started doing aid runs with a convoy of other solo operators who went over there to try and do something to help alleviate the suffering of folks yeah i'm here to talk about that yeah um i guess okay so one of my questions about that is what do these aid runs look like what are the you know um like i'm under the impression there are different organizations working to trying to get vehicles and armor and all of these things that you know two frontline units two anti-authoritarian units and these are like organizations from outside ukraine that are like sending people and supplies to then deliver the supplies like what does this look like yeah so me and a few other folks went over there with a grip of cash all of our own you know what i mean and we mm -hmm. used that for operational costs which was you know feeding ourselves buying diesel in poland um and then we worked with some more wealthy uh sympathizers to the cause who one person we worked with owns a distribution company and they have a giant fucking warehouse in warsaw poland and you know, they would make sure items that needed to get to folks close to the front line where bigger NGOs wouldn't go uh, could get things that they needed that were not getting there, uh, i.e. like medicine, um, sanitary products, food, uh, you know, and then later on body armor and diesel. Mm -hmm. So this person would basically 
they have a bigger organization that looks a lot friendlier on their website and you can go and donate money and it has pictures of like Ukrainian kids smiling and and then you know so the run would start like this we'd get uh, a text from this wealthy patron and they'd be like all right I've organized another run you know, meet me at my warehouse Saturday at four in the morning and <laughs> bring four vans, you know, and eight drivers. And like, we wouldn't know where we're going. We wouldn't know what we're doing. And then we'd get there at four in the morning. And then there'd be all these like gnarly, angry Polish dudes, just like moving boxes around and making <laughs> piles. And then the, you know, the person who led everything and orchestrated everything, she's just a very strong, amazing woman. Um, and she would come out and just start barking orders and be like, you, you're driving this van and you're putting all this in your van. But like, I have mm. some other shit to hide at the bottom of the pile. So don't load it yet. You know, load this van. And then she'd like really quickly, like have one of her cronies, like bring out a pallet full of body armor inserts that were like made at a metal shop out of like AR 500 steel that can withstand five, five, six and seven, six, two rounds. And yeah, she gun Twitter would be her- very upset about this. What's that? I said gun Twitter will be very upset that they're using steel. I know, but if you're out there fucking yeah. around, like you yeah. want something more than nothing and it's not going to yeah. spatter air 500, at least not going to spatter on you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Create any spalding, but that regardless, you know, she did her own research on what steels are like the most bulletproof. And then she mm-hmm. fucking contacted a metal shop with a brake press that could, you know, bend quarter inch thick steel that was hardened. And then she had them plasma cut out the designs that fit into vests that she had manufactured from different tailors around Poland. You know, it was just like, it was a hundred percent DIY, you know, ballistic vests. And it was just amazing. And she'd be like, all right, you're delivering all this like toilet paper and ibuprofen and like, you know, baby food to this one location, then you're going to meet with my people at this location and you're going to give them these 10 boxes, you know, and, and those had whatever in them. I never asked whatever, you know, but, and then she'd be like, give them these 50 vests. You know, they have like a poorly equipped unit that needs them. Yeah. They have like a mortar unit. That's like been get taken a lot of casualties because they're so ill equipped, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then she'd be like, also, the next man has like, we're going to fill it with all toilet paper. But at the bottom of the toilet paper pile, we're going to hide 300 gallons of diesel, you know, in these little is containers. Why, why are you hiding it? If is Because there's like tariffs involved with transporting mm-hmm. body armor and transporting fuel across conflict zone like lines. Apparently, I don't know very much about it. <laughs> yeah, I just know that like there was like a big to do and you had to file a lot more fucking paperwork that took weeks and weeks, if not months to get like 50 fucking vests across the border. And then to the East of Ukraine, whereas she was just like, I don't give a fuck. You're going there anyways. Like, and I mean, she was crazy. She was like linked up. She'd be like, all right, these are all your, your things you need when you get to the border. Uh, if you get there early, wait till 530 shift change or whatever and wait till this one dude is working, show him this <laughs> paperwork and he's going to let you through without giving you hassle or looking in your van. Mm-hmm. If you go at other times, I can't guarantee you're going to get through without a hassle. So she had stuff going on that I didn't know about and I didn't care to ask about. And, yeah, you know, so I just I was just into helping and I was good enough just bringing food and medicine. You know, when I found out we were like 
bringing other shit and like hiding it. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like, you know, um, <laughs> I was like, I'm into it. Like I'm sketchy, like I'm down, yeah. you know? So, and so we just like, we would wait, we'd pack up all the vans at four in the morning when we met her there. And then there was a few Polish dudes who would run the convoy once we were on the road and we all had radios. So it's like, you know, head convoy dudes like you know you guys got to pick it up we need to make better time or or people in the back would be like hey head of convoy slow down we're losing you because we'd all our shit was painted drab green and had the organization we were working for plastered all over the side of it so we wanted to Mm -hmm. look like a convoy while we were in poland and the east of the country or the west of the country and stick together and then once we'd get across the border and hit lviv you know uh, then it scattered and we would take magnets off and we didn't want to look like a convoy cause convoys get targeted and like all this other junk. And yeah. so, so we would basically leave Warsaw at like five or six in the morning. We'd drive for fucking ever. We'd get to the border. We'd sit there forever. You know, we'd give our slips to the guy we were supposed to give them to they would just wave us through they wouldn't search our shit and then we'd drive fucking forever to Lviv and then at Lviv we'd unload like 80% of the stuff you know Mm -hmm. and then you know four out of six in the convoy would go back to Warsaw and then you know I was generally one of the ones who would go further east so I'd stick around we'd get coordinates to a new warehouse that we didn't know about and then we would go refill our vans in Lviv with other shit going further east and then from there we'd hit Kiev we'd drop a bunch of shit off in Kiev if we were transporting vehicles we'd we'd bring them to the specific units that was asking for them basically just four by four vehicles that can carry around a little assault squad Uh mud and shit that they didn't have and then we deliver that shit and then, you know, we'd spend a night in Kiev and then we'd get more coordinates the next day. We'd go to another warehouse. We'd fill it up with whatever the fuck was planned for us. And then all this is going on while we are like doing our own shit. Like last time we were in Zolichiv, they needed salt because their bakery had run dry of salt. They had everything to make bread for the frontline troops except for salt. So they're like, we need three vans worth of salt. You know, we need like yeah. 5,000 pounds of salt. So we'd be like moving our salt around to make room for our wealthy patron shit that she wanted to go to specific units that she had friends in or, or whatever heard was, were like hard up, you know? Yeah. So we would just have to like juggle shit around and then like make sure everything fit, throw our 50 gallon drums of diesel on the fucking roof of the car and siphon it out and fill our fucking tanks back up. Cause you just can't get diesel in Ukraine when we were there. So we yeah, have that to makes smuggle sense. in all the diesel for the entire trip, and then, and then we'd be on our way again, and then we'd eventually get to Kharkiv or wherever in the far east of the country, get rid of all our shit, and then just like usually pick up some passengers who wanted to get the fuck out of Kharkiv or wherever the fuck they were, mm-hmm. and bring people back and get them out of sketchy situations, and then we'd slowly make our way back to Poland and. We didn't really stop when we were driving. So some days we'd drive for like 48 hours straight and <laughs> or some some couples of days. And then we'd take naps and switch out drivers. And then but on the way back, it was a little more lax. Like we'd get mm-hmm. we'd get a hotel or something like in between Kharkiv and fucking Kiev and try and take showers and get like a good night's rest and then whatever. Um 
And then we'd finally make our way back to Warsaw or Krakow, wherever our next pickup was. We'd rest for 24 hours without doing shit. We would just eat food, sleep, nap, like yeah. fucking whatever the fuck we felt like doing, go on walks. Then we'd get another another call from from our, you know, <laughs> our person who was funding a lot of this. And yeah. she'd be like, meet me at the warehouse Tuesday at 1.30 in the morning and bring seven vans this time, you know? So yeah. that's pretty much the yeah. cycle that was going on when I was there. Yeah. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions about this. There's so much that's curious to me. Sure. Yeah. One of them is like, like, what's in it for this lady? Like, I don't know if you want to like out her specifically or whatever, but like, like this, it's international solidarity. Is it like, I couldn't tell. Is it? It's just like we don't want Ukraine to fall because then we think we're next. Is it just the same reason you're there? We just got to fucking help each other. Like, what's going on? So everything I gathered from talking with this person was that she just like thought what was going on was super fucked up was like mm-hmm. disgusted that like civilians were paying such a high price for the actions of you know a fascist imperialist government's need to try for a land grab and was just like honestly disgusted about how little the rest of the world seemed to care about these people yeah. who like were fucking starving to death and are still starving to death and like yeah. fucking living in occupied villages that like change hands every couple of weeks and they can't get anything because NGOs won't go there because Red Cross thinks it's too dangerous or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, it is, but like, that's your fucking job. Like that's what you should be doing. And it like came yeah. down to like hundreds and th- like hundreds and or thousands of like solo operators who have like these little groups. There's a bunch of us like, mm-hmm. but it's like hard to, it's hard to like say what her, end game was like she had a bunch of fucking dudes who i don't speak ukrainian or polish um Mm. but there's some words that are the same you know what i mean like we'd be driving and the radio chatter would be all polish and i'd Mm. hear like americanski and then blah 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 and then you hear (laughs) nothing for a minute and then you'd hear like pistoleta blah 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 and i'm like what are they got in their van you know what i mean and i'm just like so but i'm not asking you know the most i ever asked was like the lead dude who took us on the convoys just seemed like he knew his way around a war zone knew his way you know bunch of those motherfuckers were into brazilian jiu-jitsu and that's where we like connected a lot because that's Mm -hmm. something i'm into and they all knew how to handle themselves they all seemed like ex-military or something and one day i was just like i was like hey dude like are you ex it's like don't answer me if you don't want to but like are you ex-military or or like current military or something and he says kind of and then walked away and i was like (laughs) okay that's enough you know what i mean and like yeah yeah So, like, I don't know what their motivations were. They were, like, super not into Russia. I can say that. It, like, got a little uncomfortable for me because, like, and especially the closer you get to the border with Russia, the more you you start hearing terms like orc and, like, Mm -hmm. stuff like that as opposed to Russian. And, like, it just, like, I don't know. They had seen more shit than me at that point, had really strong opinions, and, like, as much as I could tell, they just wanted to you know, kind of ease some of the suffering that normal everyday people were going through because of the conflict. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so what brings it back to like, you know, you mentioned that you, you headed out there hoping to specifically work delivering aid to the anti-authoritarian units and stuff. Does, is that work that you got to continue to do or like in some ways? Uh, so 
just to clarify, I originally went out to fight in an anti-authoritarian unit made up of mm. English-speaking foreigners. Mm-hmm. That was my my first goal. Um, I had issues with getting my passport in a timely manner. And then there was this like horrible incident where the unit that had accepted me, they knew when I was coming, they had someone picking me up to bring them to the base and get me situated and fucking geared up. But they were like, you need body armor. You need a ballistic helmet. You need your own IFAC. You need like Mm -hmm. your own fucking compass. You know, basically full kit was needed to be provided by me because all they were going to they were going to stick me on a mortar team and I was going to be like stuck with that mortar team with whatever I brought or essentially. Yeah. And then on my way over there, something happened where the platoon leader was found dead on base. They got assigned a new platoon leader. This dude was like, you guys can still fly your anti anti authoritarian and anarchist flags as a unit, but we're not taking in any more foreigners. And that's that. So Hmm. uh, while I was on my way there, I was told, you know, uh, no more, no, no go on the, on the infantry unit. Um, blah, blah, blah. So I just like, didn't know what to do. I had like $5,000 worth of tourniquets and quick clot and fucking chest seals. You know, I had, I had ballistic helmets. I had, I had level four ceramic plates with me. I had more shit than I could carry. I looked like an asshole coming from the Warsaw uh, (laughs) fucking airport to my hostel, you know? And then I couldn't Mm -hmm. leave my hostel for like a week and a half because I had like all this gear in there that wouldn't fit in my tiny little safe. And like everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing with all this shit? And like, why are you here? And I didn't want to say anything. So I just like seemed sketchy. Yeah. And then I eventually found a group that was working directly with anarchist fighters at the front. And I was like, hey, I brought all this medical supplies. It's basically only heavy bleed stop supplies to treat gunshots and amputations and things of this nature. Do you want it? Like, how do I get it to you? And they were like, yes, totally. Um, one of our people will get with you soon, you know? And this is when I started my waiting game in the hostel, trying to like not leave my shit for too long and like Mm -hmm. be there waiting for the call. And like a week and a half went by before I got any kind of information. And honestly, I was like kind of bummed out. This group seemed like they, knew what they were doing their social media presence was like on point they were like just vague enough to like promote (laughs) their cause but like not giving too much information out you know they're just like whatever so i was like i'll deal with these guys fine i'll give them all this medical equipment and then they just like totally dropped the ball and like wouldn't they kept saying someone's gonna call me every day i texted them i'm like i'm sitting on all this crap i need to get rid of it and be on my way and try and find another way to like do what i'm trying to do and it just kept going on and then you know a week and a half i've never left the country before i left for this and oh wow i I speak no other languages i'm like super neurodivergent have like really high anxiety and like was just in this foreign city where i didn't understand anything and just like every day felt like a week and yeah you know i was just waiting for my phone to ring and then i could hand the shit off and like i had a couple leads on folks who were like yeah when you're done doing your thing like give us a call and we'll set you up doing some aid work um so i was just waiting and waiting and then they finally called me they're like go meet this person at this address and they'll take all your shit from you and i was like okay great so i take a fucking cab like across warsaw i end up at this place i eventually find out it's like a basically like a methadone clinic for like houseless people. Huh. Which I was like, Oh cool. Whoever's doing this also works doing this kind of work, you know, but yeah, then I tracks. just looked like, a, 
sketch ball sitting outside of this place with like three fucking duffel bags <laughs> waiting for i don't Thousands even know here. yeah yeah i have no idea who's coming to meet me every yeah. person that walks by i'm like are you them you know like yeah i don't know shit i'm there like the time they're supposed to meet me goes by i got there like half an hour early because i just wanted to not fuck this up yeah and then like the time they're supposed to meet me comes and goes and then it's like an hour later and I call my dudes and I'm like, hey, your person's not here yet. They're like, they're on their way. And then they hang up and I'm like, okay. Like literally like four hours goes by of me doing this. <laughs> I like, I'm just like, whatever. I'm so bummed. And then this like door flies open to this place and this like, this like little person comes out and they're like, hey, are you Agatha? And I was like, yeah. They're like, all right, I'm going to take this shit. Like, thanks a bunch. And then like drags in three duffel bags really quick and slams the door shut. And I'm like, fuck like they knew my name but like fuck. i'm pretty sure that was who i was supposed to give this to you know and then like yeah. i go back to my hostel and then like whatever so like it was like super disheartening to like be told i couldn't be in this like fighting unit and then like it was super disheartening to have trouble handing the shit off but like in the end like it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because like mm -hmm. after being there for a while i was like fuck i don't know if i could have been of service in a unit where i have no military trip like yeah. you know i just like i probably would have been a liability more than anything so like thank god that happened and then i got hooked up with these people who like it was like perfect for me you know i just drive for 30 hours and then like that was fine with me you know like yeah i've traveled the country a million times as like a dumb useless punk like this was like the same shit just like felt better because <laughs> i was like helping people you know what i mean so it was like perfect yeah, yeah. but so for that was listening like, that's how we that's how we know each other as being dumb useless punks traveling the country <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I just applied what I knew about like traveling and being comfortable, being uncomfortable with like doing this yeah. shit. And it just was like a perfect fit. So, so I originally went over to do that. Yeah. And then it switched to this and then, yeah. And then I was only there for like six more weeks. So, okay. but I, you know, I did a bunch of shit while I was there and, you know, I will probably get into it later, but I needed to do like a lot of trauma therapy once I got back. And like, it's yeah. been a year and I just felt comfortable enough to buy another plane ticket there. And I'm on my way back. But this time I don't have to figure anything out. I already have a crew. We have a fleet of nine vehicles. Mm -hmm. We have deliveries lined up for fucking months. So it's like I can just jump right back in, you know, and like it's just nice when you like hand a bunch of fucking hungry people food or, you know, yeah. it's like. And that's the thing that struck me most is I went out there as an anarchist. Mm -hmm. And then while I was there, I kind of just turned into like a humanist. I was like, you know, I just didn't give a fuck who I was working with anymore. I was like, oh, you're hungry and you need food. I'm going to bring it to you. Like, and it didn't matter to me anymore who was picking it up. You know, I even yeah. worked with some known fascist units who supposedly kicked all the neo-nazis and like shit out and anti-semites that like, got kicked out but they still have unscrupulous pasts as like street gangs and stuff but like you know i was bringing them stuff to like keep people alive i didn't i, I just stopped caring you know about no, political affiliations and shit no, it, it makes sense to me though. Like, cause one of the things that has been so interesting to me about like studying disaster stuff and disaster responses, right. Are these like, you know, there's this moment that I wasn't there for, but sticks in one of my head, my head is that one of my best friends, I've probably mentioned this on the show before, but one of my best friends is this, you know, crusty traveling punk kid who went to go do flood relief in a, 
a place that you could normally drive into, but could only be flown into. And it was, and the people who were doing, who were flying in were all of these people with like tiny airplanes, which means rich libertarians. Sure. And, you know, and so my friend is like talking about being like in, you know, and they're a nervous person and they're in this tiny airplane driving and like flying into a storm with this like random libertarian guy. Right. And it's just like, and they were fine and they landed and they delivered supplies and they got food out and got stuff out to people who needed it, who were were trapped and hungry. And, and I think that's, what's so interesting about disaster, whether it's uh, quote unquote natural, like the accelerating climate disasters or, you know, the invasion of an imperialist power into your country is just this like, well, we're all right. Like the plan, like the goal isn't to help anarchists. The goal is to help people who are being destroyed by an imperialist power. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, it's interesting to me. It's, it's, um, cause I do have, I, I have a, like, it's like cool, right. The like supporting the anti-authoritarian units specifically yeah, is it's... cool. And like, anarchist organizing this is cool but a lot of that is like well i'm excited that an anarchist is at least one of the drivers of this organization that you're working for you know like you sure you know um what is it what is it like interacting as an anti-authoritarian person within this like you know yeah you have this like rich industrialist lady who's just like pouring everything and and all kinds of risk into just providing things for people and I, i presume you have this very is it like melting pot environment? Like, like what is it like socially? <laughs> it's fucked up, man. Like the guy I got stuck with, like when the group I started driving for wanted to vouch for me, they're like, we have a solo run. It's like not very sketchy. We're not going that far East. We're just mm-hmm. going like outside of Lviv. It's like a fucking shit ton of sanitary products. And then like, you're going to come back to Shishao and you're going to fill up the van full of strollers and bring it to this orphanage. That's mm-hmm. only run for orphans that were victims of losing their parents in fucking Bucha, you know? Well, it better be anarchist babies, because otherwise they don't deserve strollers. Yeah. (laughs) But the fucking guy picks me up, and he's wearing a fucking Black Rifle Coffee Company t-shirt. Oh, shit. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You know? And I was like, this sucks. And I was like... Because I knew they weren't going to be anarchists, but I was like, this dude is wearing just a straight-up fascist company's t-shirt. Yeah, this dude and wants to kill like, you in the United States. Yeah, well, he's from Canada, and that's the thing. Like, oh, funny. his view on it was, like, totally different. I was like, right. you know, after, like, nine hours in the van and, like, 18 cups of coffee, I was like, so mm-hmm. what's up with your shirt, dude? And he's like, well, I just really like their coffee. And, like, they have pictures of guns on their shit. It's, like, good advertising. I was like, you know, those <laughs> are the assholes who, like, bailed out Kyle Rittenhouse, right? And he's like, who the fuck is Kyle Rittenhouse? And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was just, like, super fucked up. And, like, <clears throat> we had, like, really long conversations about what, like, being an anarchist means to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, the more we talked, the more I realized our, like, end goal was exactly the same. He was like... Yeah just a farm boy from from south central fucking canada who grew up on a fucking uh what's that stuff called i don't want to say the name of it because i hate it and there's another name for it um he's from a canola farm and he joined the military when he was young and he's like i'm a pretty tall person i'm like six two he's like three inches taller than me built like a brick shit house just looked like the dude you don't want to run into as an anarchist in like a war zone wearing a fucking black rifle coffee company t-shirt and like 
But the more we talked, the more we were just like, yeah, we just want to fucking help people. And like, yeah. that's it. Like, I just don't care anymore. Like it basically came down to everyone in our group wanted to ease some suffering that was happening at the behest of like fucked up agitators who were acting on like imperialist like logic, you know? And yeah, that's basically what it all boiled down to. So like I went there as an anarchist trying to support anarchist endeavors and because they were helping just normal people. Right. And, mm -hmm. and then it just turned out like, you know, circumstances changed. They didn't like multiple groups didn't want any more foreigners. You know, I was never given uh, explanations as to why someone said it was because my, my social media presence was too hard about going to Ukraine and they didn't want people getting their spots blown up. But like, I was like, I talked, uh -huh. I was like, literally all I said is I'm going to Ukraine, bringing medical supplies to anarchist units. And if you want to donate, donate here. I gave yeah. zero like information on what unit I was delivering to where I was going, who my contacts were. It was like as vague as fucking yeah. possible to just get donations so I could buy more tourniquets. That's like all I was doing. Yeah. So that's, that's the most explanation I got, which never added up. Um, they, they must have me, had their own shit going on. There must've been like something that had happened recently or like yeah. something within the internal structure where they were like, trying to hold on to their anti-authoritarian unit within an authoritarian structure, you know, exactly. Just, yeah, exactly. And I later found out like once I was, I was back from a couple runs and the unit that had originally accepted me, uh, said no more was like, Hey, mm -hmm. we got a guy coming to Warsaw and he wants to meet you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And it was just like the most giant man I've ever met. And he was just like <laughs> decked out in like fucking workout gear. And he's like, Oh, I'm coming from the gym. And I, got, I only got an hour. I'm going back to the gym. I'm with this unit. I'm on leave, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I guess what it was, was like, you know, it was other foreigners who were in the group who were posting shit online they shouldn't have been, you know? And one example mm. was there was someone who posted a picture of themselves outside of a building being like training for the good fight or whatever. And whatever fucking Russian like ops that were monitoring social media, oh, shit. saw a picture of the building, did a bunch of fucking research, found out where it was, what the building was and fucking a missile strike happened and like 500 volunteers died or some shit. Like, Oh my God. It was like super fucked. So like yeah. I totally got it, but like, and I wasn't going to argue with them. You know what I mean? I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, I'll find something else to do, but like, yeah. that's not me and that's not what I'm doing, but like, whatever, I'll, I'll try and help out some other way. So that's, yeah. I think that's the kind of shit that was happening. Um, that led to me not being, invited into these like strictly anarchist groups because i mean you know fucking anarchists everyone's like security yeah. culture like yeah. the feds are like bugging my phone because they want to know what dumpsters i'm hitting or right. whatever you know what i mean it's like only here it's like they're actually throwing missiles at you you know exactly exactly so i was like i get mm -hmm. it but like whatever so yeah i think that's really what it was and like i couldn't fault them for it i was like whatever word like yeah. I'm just some like scumbag from America anyways. Like you don't know me. Like you don't know if you can trust me. Like sure. Yeah. I have tattoos on my face, but like whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I got it, but like, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. I'm going to let no, you know. I'm, I'm, direct I think the this conversation is, a little more. I'm really curious about all of this kind of stuff. Like I'm very curious. And I think the audience will be curious about, I mean, even down to like, like, how did people take you as this tall, uh, you know, person who, um, to 
to presents somewhat masculine, but often has a sure. non-masculine name, has face tattoos, doesn't have like, you know, isn't like, isn't Mr. Heterosexual Cis Man, but also is like a tough as fuck looking like face tattooed punk, right? Like, like yeah. what do people make of you? Like, how did that it go? just dip- it just depended, you know, some people were just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah, because I mean, I do have a lot of visible tattoos, but just to like give it some context, like my tattoos are like of puppies and like I have a yeah. giant heart on my throat. You know what I mean? They're not like yeah. tough guy tattoos. Aside, I have some AR-15 magazines tattooed underneath a do not resuscitate tattoo on my chest. My chest Whoa. looks like fucking some preschooler went to prison and got tattooed or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like lighthearted. There's like skulls and puppies and yeah. rifle parts and like a do not resuscitate banner and like shit. But like, that's not stuff people generally saw, but they'd see my heart tattoo on my throat and my, my shit on my face. And like mm-hmm. my hands were all blacked out. And mm-hmm. you know, people were either like, yeah, a good example is like people either didn't say anything or they'd be like, like one time we were in Kiev, we were kicking this grifter who had gotten caught up in our shit out. Mm-hmm. We needed, uh, fuck, like five to 600 liters of diesel that we had shoved in his van. Mm-hmm. We needed to get that out before we kicked him out because we knew he would just steal it from us. Um, yeah. I mean, I found out the guy had gone through my phone when I was sleeping. There was like links to his aid organization, uh, to the like, paypal link oh, on, on my like my safari was open and yeah. it was like please enter your paypal password to donate to this group and i was like who the fuck is this group and then we realized it was this guy and we needed to kick his ass out but like whatever we didn't know where to mm-hmm. kick him out like we didn't know if he was going to get violent with us um so we picked like a super uh populated spot in kiev which is where we were at the time and we're like, let meet us here, you know, at this parking lot for this fucking train station. But the parking lot was closed and we it was like all the spaces were empty, but we couldn't get in. And there was this like drunk ass dude wearing a body camera in this little booth. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, we, we just went up and we're like, hey, are you the one watching this parking lot right now? And our interpreter could not understand a fucking word this guy was saying. He was so drunk. And it's like the farther east you go, like the more the dialects change. So like our yeah. interpreter was 18 years old from from Lviv. He had never been this far east, you know, which Kiev isn't even that far. But like, you know, if you're not that if you've never been to Kiev really and you get there and then there's people from the opposite end of the country who, you know what I mean? It's just like there's yeah. a big disconnect with with local dialects. He he could only, you know figure some shit out and we eventually paid the guy like a bunch of grievna to fucking just do this deal real quick we're like hey we'll give you this wad of cash just let us park here for like 20 minutes this guy's gonna meet us we're gonna move a bunch of shit around from van to van and then we'll be out of your hair and he's like all right fine Mm -hmm. um but he was like fucking hammered and he would not leave us alone and he was like uncomfortable drunk where he was like in our faces like breathing on us asking us questions and our interpreter was trying their best to like fucking answer and then it just got hot during the day and i went to take my shirt off and all my tattoos are black line work they look like fucking prison tattoos and yeah and he this guy i see him catch my eye as my shirt's about to go over my head for a second and to and uh i pull my t-shirt down real quick and he's like ah prison and i was like no 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 no, not prison and he's like prison 
And I was like, no, it's not prison. And it, the guy just wouldn't shut up about it. He just kept saying prison to me and like giving me the okay sign with his hand. And I was yeah. like, no, dude, you know, so it's like, it was like stuff like that. And then other people just being like, you're a fucking freak American. Are they all like you? Like kind of shit. <laughs> like it was just like, I don't know. It was super yes. weird. I got some shit for it, but like most people, like I would talk to them for five minutes and they'd be like, Oh, you're just a person who wants to like yeah. do shit. You know what I mean? But then the more I got into this shit and the more I was like getting deeper into the East of the country, like it got like less and less about personal identity and what you, I, what you were presenting to the world. Right. Like I am. Yeah an assigned male at birth guy who's six foot two and like I have tattoos everywhere and I carry myself like, like really confidently because I I'm a martial artist and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, and I don't take shit from people. Like, yeah, it just was like a little easier for me to get by. But like I was with this really well-known fascist unit who was giving personal protection to this trans woman who was in the East of the country and had been there for months. Like, she had wow. gotten fired from her news organization because she started using the term orc in her in her pieces. And they're like, mm -hmm. you're no longer unbiased. And she and she was like, you can't be unbiased if you've been out here like these Russian soldiers are fucking pigs. Like they're like they're raping people. They're killing children. They're doing all sorts of shit. They're bombing schools. They're bombing yeah. hospitals like and all these people could just shoot their officers and come across the line with a white flag and the Ukrainians would treat them fine. Right. Like, yeah, but they're not doing that. They're doing what they're told and they're being complicit in these atrocities, blah, blah, blah. So she was like just going around doing all these pieces and her personal protection unit was all these supposed fucking homophobic, you know, fascist pieces of shit. And and granted, I never got drunk with these guys. I didn't have yeah. beers with them. I don't know what they really think, but but they thought what she was doing was important enough to like give her a pass. You know what I mean? And and yeah. like protect her and get her to these like places to interview these people. And and that's the kind of like shit I mostly ran into was like you know you know you don't have to agree with me right now, um, but we have a goal in mind. And and once the Russians are gone, fuck it. We'll figure out our differences later. But like right, right now, like we're chill. And I got like pretty hopeful about it till I met this like platoon leader in an infantry territorial defense unit who after uh, we were bombed at one point and our, our fucking vans got destroyed and we were looking for a mechanic to fix our shit so we could get out of the east of the country. And this dude who spoke perfect english came up to us and was like what are you what are y'all doing we told him what was up and he was like i'll try and find a mechanic i got a mechanic buddy like right around the corner blah 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 and mm -hmm. then while we were waiting for a call back uh, me and him just like got some coffees and like talked for a while and it turns out he was like a you know he was a fucking like a human rights activist who like was a lawyer forever and like graduated college in 92 and started his own organization to help like LGBTQ refugees from like Belarus and shit. You know what I mean? He was like super fucking cool. Yeah. And the guy just eventually was like, yeah, I went to school at a military accredited college. So when I joined the territorial defense units, they're like, you're an officer, you're, con you're in control of a whole platoon. And he like, 
tried so hard to convince them that he was not their guy and like, it was the wrong platoon yeah, yeah he's like no dude i don't know how to fight blah 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 these are all like seasoned infantry men yeah. that i'm supposed to be telling what so he's like i just fucking started listening to the most experienced dudes in my company and like like let them decide basically and then but like i got talking to him i was like yeah uh you know, I introduced him as my birth name and he was mm-hmm. like, you know, and then we started talking and it became apparent that, that he was not straight and, mm-hmm. and all this other shit. And I was like, yeah, like we've been working with this one group and he's like, oh yeah, they're bad news, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, are they though? Cause like they've shown me to be like pretty decent to like a lot of marginalized folks as far as I can tell. I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, I go by Agatha in the States and like my crew calls me Agatha, but like, I do feel scared enough to not introduce myself as Agatha to the people in this unit because they're they're staunchly fascist, right? Like, they, yeah. you know, they they're not into it. Like, and they like quick, like without missing a beat, they're like, "Oh yeah, no, do not introduce yourself to these motherfuckers as Agatha." Yeah, they're like, they did get rid of a lot of anti semites. They did get rid of a lot of overt racists, but they're like, homophobia is still a huge problem in the Ukrainian military and population in general. It's yeah. like very conservative. And so like, he like really opened my eyes that like, I was like, yeah, we're all in this together. Like who gives a fuck your political affiliations, you know? And then he was quickly like, yeah, no people still disappear all the time during wartime. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, watch your fucking ass and like, keep doing what you're doing, but like, don't get too comfortable with these people. And yeah. it was just like, it was hard because like I fucking, was just like feeling good about like working with people of different ideological backgrounds. And it like felt good to just like feed people and have this like shared goal. And then just to be like brutally reminded that like, that's not actually the case and it could get backwards really quick. You know what I mean? If I like said the wrong thing to the wrong person, like I have like an anti-fascist action pin on my hat. It's just like, you know, the little two black flags that says anti-fascist action. Yeah. He's like, he's like I wouldn't wear that, you know? I just yeah. wouldn't, you know? And I was like, okay, I listened to the guy, you know? He's fucking awesome. And I like kept in touch with the dude through Telegram and it was fucking on and then he got captured by the Russians and oh, fuck. He's, st- he's still in captivity and like they're trying to act like he's a super neo-nazi because like that's what they do to human rights and like you know people who are obviously leftists who get who get taken prisoner but you know he's facing fucking 12 years in prison in the donbas now you know and i'm just hoping because he's an officer they're gonna do a prisoner swap you know but yeah but they're like not into it and i you know so he you know if i had weird questions i'd ask them and they'd they'd always give me like a nice response and you know, yeah. didn't treat me like an idiot American. They're like, yeah, you just don't know the culture, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that, that was, no, that's, that's a really good, uh, it's a sad, but it's an important counterpoint in this conversation we're having is to realize that like some of the civility between these units is probably short term, probably a veneer and like probably a necessary veneer to drive out the invading force. But like, totally. No, it makes sense to not to get too comfortable with it. And that's it's sad, but it's interesting because it's like I I hold perhaps naively that a lot of center-right people really are distinct from far-right people and like have, you know, some really good ideas in terms of, hey, what if we all left each other alone and sometimes took care of each other? And it's like yeah. easy for me to say as like someone who like lives in a 
a rural center right area, but not a far right area. And that's an important difference, you know? Um, yeah. But I think that's like a pretty fair assessment too, of like people out there. It's just, it doesn't, you just can't count on that for long. Cause even yeah. though like you could be a center right dude and then you spend yep, nine exactly. months in a fucking infantry unit full of fucking mutant goons who are yeah. just like espousing all this hate. It's like easy to go yeah. from center right to far right, you know? Yep. Yeah, no, totally. And, and it's, yeah, fuck. Um, well, to go from that light subject to another really light subject, you mentioned that you all were were attacked. Your caravan was attacked. Um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? Do you want to say what happened? Is that all right? Sure. It's hard for me to just like do it. Um, kind of like you know, like give you the synopsis. Like I kind of mm-hmm. rant about it when I start going into details because I start going to like lizard brain thinking about mm-hmm. how I felt while I was there. So. Uh, with the caveat that like you, I want you to like be like reining in if you're like, okay. if I'm giving too many details or if I'm going off on a fucking rant or whatever. Okay. But basically we had done, we had been driving for like 48 hours on and off. We had done, we we left Krakow. We got to Lviv. We dropped a bunch of shit, picked up a bunch of shit, got to Kiev, dropped off a bunch of shit, picked up a bunch of shit. And this all started like insane. I was at the fucking ladies warehouse loading up like usual. And that grifter dude we were working with. So his thing was, he was working with the, what the fuck is their name? Not the rotary club. They're like something <laughs> like that. The lion something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Some, one of those like weird things. It's like not the Masons, but it's basically it's the, not Masons. the Masons, but it's kind of like the Masons and they like yeah. do like, um, whatever. So he, I don't know how we fucking did it. Got a bunch of funding from them, bought like two brand new vans and was out there under the auspice that he was working for them. But he had all these weird things he was doing that he wouldn't share too much information on. Mm-hmm. And he had a Land Rover and it was one of those fucking British Land Rovers with a steering wheel on the wrong side or the other side, not the wrong uh-huh. side. But like, and yeah, uh, you can make it's when you talk about <laughs> British people, we can, we can say the wrong I know, side. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we're loading up all this shit. I'm waiting for the rest of my crew to get there. We got there a couple hours early. We get all loaded up and I'm like, hey, uh, person who runs this shit, like, what can I do to be of help while I wait for other people? Do you have shit that needs to get like moved around in the warehouse? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what do you need from me? And she's like, I need you to get this fucking guy off my back. He won't leave me alone. He wants to leave right now. And I told him he's got to wait till the rest of the convoy gets here. So you all get to the border crossing at the same time when you're supposed to and you can give this paperwork to the guy who needs it and i was like okay so the guy won't shut up eventually they get in a huge fight he says we're leaving and and looks at me and i was like what and um and the lady's like all right good luck crossing the border you know um and he's got his own van and i'm he's like you're gonna drive this land rover full of shit and uh by yourself and you're just going to follow me to Kiev, where we drop this off to a unit of uh, American volunteers who are all ex-military and they're working on their own outside of the Ukrainian military. And they need they need a four by four vehicle to get in and out of like weird spots. And I was like, OK, fine. Mm-hmm. And then so I call the the main planner of my group and i'm like yo dude is trying to be sketchy he he got in a fight with lady um they're at each other's throats he just wants us to leave she wants us to get the fuck out of there just so she doesn't have to deal with like 
this like sketchy male bodied person yelling at her. She just doesn't need this, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and he's just like, I'm so sorry to do this to you, but like, just go with him. Just like, get out of there with him, like help him out. We need his van space once we hit Kiev because Mm -hmm. we have more supplies than we can bring to Kharkiv in the space we have. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And this guy, like we eventually, she's like, she says, she looks at me, she gives me a big hug and she says, I'm so sorry about this. And I was like, sorry about what? And then she looks at the guy and she's like, have fun crossing the border and handed him a thing of papers and like, was like, see you guys. And then she's just like, please stay safe, Agatha. And I was like, okay. Damn. Uh-huh. And then I was like, I don't know what's going on. This dude throws a radio on my lap. I had never used a fucking CB radio at this point in my life. And he's just like, he's like, try to keep up. And then he like fucking takes off <laughs> on me. And I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, racing to keep up with him but he's passing all these semis on the highway and i'm driving a right-handed fucking vehicle i have to get all the way in the other lane to see if there's oncoming traffic which is sketchy as fuck and like oh yeah shit yeah i've never driven one of these things it's still like normal driving lanes you know what i mean it's just a different driving sign with a car and it just was like the most stressful thing that's ever happened to me i was like for four hours trying to keep up with this guy and then we finally get to the ukrainian border we're well outside that window of time she told us to get there. And she's like fucking or he's like, don't worry, let's skip the line. Let's drive on the outside of the line in this like breakdown lane and get up to the gate and I'll get us through. And I was like, I don't think that's going to work, bro. And he's like, <laughs> whatever. We get all the way up there. Mm. I'm still sitting in the car. I see him arguing with the border guard. The border guard's just pointing to the back of the line. And I'm like, fuck. And then. Eventually, he's like, oh, we're going we to try again, blah, blah, blah. And he like turns around and we go, we do this like three times. He argues mm-hmm. like three different board. And eventually, we just have to sit in line for like eight fucking hours. Yeah. Like lady told us we were going to have to do if we didn't fucking wait. And he's all griping about it and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm just like, want to be like, I fucking told you. So I don't like this guy already. He's like, yeah, super macho, has no regard for other people's emotional, like, capacity yeah. for anything and it's just about him and blah 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 and he's got to get this vehicle to this unit or yeah. they're fucked and blah 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 we finally get through we drive he does the same shit and i don't know if you know anything about ukrainian roads but they are the no. most fucked up roads i've ever seen in my life like okay before the war like there's just like they are fucked up it's like like the main highways are just pocked with potholes that like are just so devastating when you hit them. You're like, oh my God. And like, yeah. he's just flying down this highway. And like, I, he's like, keep up. Like, I keep hearing in the radio get more and more staticky. He's like, I can't see you back behind me. Like, keep up. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, you're going too fast. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. We we get, we do this for a whole day. And we, and we get to Lviv and then whatever. And I'm, I, I missed a detail. It wasn't Kiev. We were going to deliver this vehicle to it was Lviv, which is much closer to the border. Um, We get to, we get to Lviv and he's like, we got to meet this fucking dude and hand off this fucking vehicle. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. We finally get to this gas station and there's these two dudes dressed in fatigues with their weapons out, like totally out of place. And they're holding gas cans. And he's like, there's my dudes. And I was like, okay. And from the lions club or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he he didn't tell me how he knew these guys. He okay. alluded to the fact that he was in Afghanistan for a while working with Blackwater motherfuckers doing okay. the same shit, but just equipping Blackwater units like yeah. not other stuff. So I was like, all right, this dude's got sketchy friends, whatever. Turns out this dude doesn't know the fighter at all. 
They met through the internet. He's not <laughs> donating this vehicle. He's selling it to them. Oh, and shit. then fucking, yeah. And the dude's like all sketched out because he looks at this Land Rover and he's like, so this thing's good to go. It's all like mechanically sound. And dude's like, yeah, 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 it's good. I had a mechanic look at it and everything in Poland, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, I could not shut up. I was like, yo, I drove this thing from fucking Krakow and it is not sound. Like, you at least need new tie rod ends. Like, I'm I'm yeah. a proficient mechanic. I was like, you need new tie rod ends and or like fucking a drag link for your steering unit. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've looked at the back hubs, but like they are rusted to fuck. Like, good luck getting the rotors off of the hubcap kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, well, what the fuck? I can't use this, dude. We already paid you. I told you this was to get infantry units into hot zones to do some sketchy shit and to get out. Like you told me this thing was going to be mechanically sound and it just wasn't and like blah, blah, blah. And I still had my whole kit from when I thought I was going to use my time there fighting. So I feel bad for this guy. And I was like, Hey, do you guys need any like PPE or anything for, for, for one of your members of your unit? Like, mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah, the Russians just overran our base and we lost everything. Some of our dudes are wearing jeans and sneakers and I was like, okay, I got like three sets of BDUs. I got a pair of combat boots. I got knee pads. I have a fucking thermal imaging camera. I have like, yeah. you know, weapon sights. I have like, you know, weapon attachments, all this shit. And he's like, oh, fucking hey, thank you so much. And he's like, you know, fuck this dude. I don't know how I got mixed up. And I was like, whatever, just take all my shit and we're going to get out of your hair. I'm so sorry this happened. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. We get to Kiev. We, we kick him out like I told you we yeah. did with a drunk dude. And then. And then, like, another day later, we finally end up in Kharkiv. We, we get rid of all our shit. Okay, how all much is this is lizard brain? I'm just... A bunch. But I'm I'm at the point now okay. where it's starting cool. to matter. <laughs> you're t I, I appreciate that you're telling it like a hitchhiking story. So it's, like, really... I know. It's very relatable to me. Yeah, please continue. Sorry. <laughs> so we're in Kharkiv. We've, don't, we've, we've given up all our shit. We've resupplied and... and done mm. that shit like four times we have one more delivery to do and then we're gonna head back to poland and Wait, it's who, are to you, who are you with at this point this is the rest of the the rest of your crew has caught up with you at this point yes yes okay. the rest of the crew has caught up they caught up with us after we handed off that uh vehicle okay. to the unit and um they caught up with us in kiev we did a bunch of drop-offs we did a bunch okay. of pickups then we all drove as a unit after we kicked that dude out to Kharkiv, which is I don't know. It's like 20 miles from the Russian border or something like that. I could be wrong. It's, it's not far. I mean, while we were there, you could hear artillery in the sh and going off in the background. Yeah. You know, whatever. So we have 75 IFACs uh, to deliver to this one particular unit who, who we had another wealthy benefactor. Those two were in contact, the unit and this wealthy benefactor, this, wealthy benefactor said i know these people who will deliver it to you and that was us so so we have 75 ifacs i don't know if you know what an ifac is yeah in a, uh, individual first aid kit it's a trauma yeah, it's kit a, for gunshot yep. wounds for anyone who's listening yeah it's got a tourniquet it's got some quick clot it's got a chest seal it's got like a aluminum brace it's got all the shit you need to like stop some bleeding for 20 minutes to hopefully get them yeah. to like a more well-equipped place. They whatever. save a hell of a lot of lives. They save so many lives and they're so important. And like, uh, so we were delivering 75 of those. We're meeting this unit at this restaurant. It's one of the only restaurants open in, in Kharkiv that we can find. There's like three Ukrainian families eating there. And we just start hearing artillery getting closer and closer to us. And we're like, fuck, this is getting scary. Like we start feeling it in the table. Our glasses mm -hmm. start shaking 
And my friend with the black rifle coffee shirt, he's like, fuck, they're bracketing us. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's when you have a, you know, an end goal in mind of where you want to hit. And then you like launch a round of munitions and through whatever means, whether it be like drones or whatever, you see where it hits, you readjust your calibration on your aiming device. You oh, launch shit. another round, it gets closer and they're get, you're getting closer to your target, right? And yeah. he's like, I think they're bracketing us. This shit's getting closer and closer because we were at the base of the Soviet monument and um, it's like a 200 or 100 foot tall statue of a Ukrainian dude wearing like Russian combat gear from World War II. And it's yeah. like supposed to be a Soviet monument to people who lost their lives fighting the Nazis in World War II. But someone had climbed all the way up there and taped a huge Ukrainian flag to their to their gun. And it was like it just seemed like that's what they had to have been aiming for. Cause it was like a big fuck you to Russia. You know what I mean? And yeah. So we're like, okay. And you know, we're trying to get our social media presence up so we can get more donations. So we end up with this fucking TikToker with 2 million followers with us. And he doesn't want anything to do with us most of the time. So he got an Airbnb. We're getting bracketed. We're waiting for this. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. It's he insane, dude. Guy, two million it followers. was fucking yeah. insane. And we're waiting for these military unit to come pick up these 75 IFACs. Yeah. We have our food boxed up. We're like, as soon as we give these dudes this shit, we're out of here. We're, we're leaving Kharkiv. And then someone's like, my my buddy who's the main planner is like, yo, y'all need to go get dude. He's at an Airbnb like mm. f- fucking 10 blocks away. So we're like, okay. So me and Canadian infantry dude <laughs> mm-hmm. get in a van and we start like going like 110 kilometers through the middle of Kharkiv. Literally shit's blowing up all around us. We're trying to get to this fucking dude and we finally get there and we're like, where are you on the phone? We're like, we're down here. Get the fuck in the van. He gets in the van. We throw him a fucking vest with like body armor and give him a helmet and we start racing back to the fucking restaurant and it's just like there are just like artillery munitions going off all around us it was fucking terrifying and then we finally get to the park where this monument is at and we have to park walk uh through the park itself to get to the restaurant where all the rest of our crew is at right so we park our last two vans we have in the convoy me and TikToker get out. Uh, dude I'm with gets out. We start walking across the park. And I mean, even with like people are just used to artillery going off in the city, right? So there's like old people everywhere soaking up the sun on benches and shit like that. And people just like ignoring it. And then we get like about, I don't know, 30 minutes, I mean, uh, 30 meters into the park. And then all of a sudden I hear this explosion really close behind me. I turn around, I see all the glass in our vans get it shot out all at once. And wow. then something blew up like right next to me and I lost consciousness. Uh, I I woke up on the ground. Uh, TikToker was confused and like we both didn't know what was going on. I couldn't hear anything. I'd, all I heard was like the biggest like ringing in my ears I've ever heard. My chest hurt from the impact of like the the sound wave hitting me like yeah yeah i couldn't breathe i was just like freaking out i just started like grabbing my body armor and seeing if there was like blood anywhere i was like yeah whatever and then i realized i'm okay and then i'm like fuck all the windows of the of the restaurant that were that my buds were in are blown out and it's like fucking on fire it was like so i run over there a buddy's trying to 
military dudes trying to tell me to get back in the van. I was like, I'm not getting back in the van. Like that thing's like destroyed and blah, blah, blah. And so I just follow him and, and we both run in and he's just like, boys, boys, where are you? And we hear him yelling from the kitchen and everyone that was in the, the dining hall went to the kitchen and were hiding behind this like knee wall. Um, and the military unit we were supposed to give this shit to was there. And I was like, fucking great. Like there's someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And everyone's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like what's going on? And meantime, there's still rounds hitting all over the fucking place. And he's like, uh, everyone's like, what do we do? What do we do? And I was like, yo, we got 75 IFACs in the van right now. And there are people like hanging out with like missing limbs and like screaming, bleeding everywhere outside. Like we need to get out and try and help people. And I tried talking to the medic who was with the unit that we were meeting up and he just like didn't understand me. The the, the interpreter was having a hard time. They lost their shit, you know. Um, yeah. Everyone's freaking out. And, and like I'm just trying to get these people to follow me. I was like, just come to the park. Like we know how to put tourniquets on. We know how to pack wounds. Like please, like, let's just do this. And everyone's like, I don't know. Uh, a few of the people in my crew were like, yeah, let's do it. And then the people of this unit like pissed me off. They're like, no, we should just hang out here till the artillery barrage stops. And I was just like, fuck you. I'm going. And then like me and four people went out. Um, we, we ran to the vans. We fucking grabbed all these IFACs and then we just like dumped them on the ground and started ripping out tourniquets. And then we split off into different little teams and just started fucking tourniqueting people who were bleeding everywhere. Like yeah. one dude was like missing limbs and was just like screaming. It was like the most intense thing I've ever experienced. He ended up fucking dying. Like it was just like so nuts. And that went on for like 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And, um, and my personal IFAC that I wore on my chest rig was like, that was the first one I, I ripped off, you know? And yeah, tourniqueted this lady who was bleeding heavily from her inner thigh and i was scared it was like a femoral artery or something and and then at the like you know after like 30 minutes this ambulance shows up and they're just creeping by the park they're not stopping and i was like fuck and i like stopped what i was doing because i had treated everyone i could find at this point and i was like in like crazy mode i was like hiding under a tree that would provide me no protection from an artillery yeah. round but i was like freaking out and then i saw them ran up i was like yo you guys gotta get out here there's people bleeding all over the place blah 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 and then the military dude i realized the medic had never even opened his fucking med kit he was just standing there with his ak watching us like turn watching us civilians Jesus. like tourniquet up all these people and then fucking whatever they're like as soon as the 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 EMTs arrived. They eventually get out. They start tending to the people we had been triaging. And then the military dudes just like, all right, we got to get out of here. And we, we get in our vans. We realize neither of them start. There's like shrapnel gone through the engine compartments. You can see a huge hole in the yeah. radiator, whatever. So we get into their, one of their vans and we're following them. Then their car dies because their shit was parked right next to us. And then eventually we make it to this military mechanic and then we're just sitting there and we don't know what to do. The military doesn't unit doesn't know what to do with us because we're kind of their responsibility now. And um, they're like, we have a safe house in Saltiva. It's uh, one of the biggest like developments in in East, in Kharkiv. It was you know it kept getting made bigger and bigger by more successive uh, leaders of the Soviet Union trying to make their mark and blah blah blah. But huge yeah. apartment complex. And they're like, you can hang out here till we fix your vehicles. And then. Basically, we just hung out in this like barren apartment 
uh, drinking and taking our medics tramadol <laughs> and trying to like not think about anything and like uh-huh. had like a corner of the apartment where all our bloody clothes were stashed and you know what I mean we didn't want to go near it and then we hung out for three days getting bombed until we got our shit fixed and then you know it was a another two weeks before we finally got out of the country because our shit kept breaking. We kept coming across fucked up situations, but, and that's eventually why I left, you know, like I was super traumatized. I had never seen someone die before. I'd never seen these fucking kinds of wounds before, you know, I'd never heard anything so loud before. Even that was scary. You know what I mean? And I was just like useless. I was like, guys, you can't, Relying I mean, on me for anything right now. Well, yeah. I mean, I was like, you guys can't rely on me for anything. I can't drive. I can't like go get a snacks. You know what I mean? I was like in the back of the van, just like crying. I was like, I yeah. didn't know how to process what had just happened. And and as soon as we got two weeks later, as soon as we got to Krakow, I like used the last of my money to buy a plane ticket home. And you know, I started doing trauma therapy again because like. I've done a lot of trauma therapy from like childhood abuse stuff. And, you know, I was like telling my therapist, I was like, I fucked it up. I was so good with my PTSD and now I redid it. And they were like, no, this would be way worse if you never did all that trauma therapy for the other stuff. Like you're good. Don't worry about it. So it's just been like a year of trying to like come to terms with all that shit. So that's the short and long of it. I'm sorry I went lizard brain on you. No, no. Um, I mean, one I hope it's like useful for you to talk about and I hope it's useful. It really is. But like, yeah, it really is. And I don't mean to interrupt you again, but like a good talking point to that is like, I have no one to talk to this about with like, yeah, other than the people I was there with, because like, I don't want to trauma dump on civilians and like, or people who haven't been in, in these kinds of situations. Cause like the few times I've been like, people like, you want to talk about it? I do this and I tell them and they're like, what the fuck you know what i mean they're fucked up from just hearing about it i'm like i didn't want to do that to you yeah and then like the other option is like i've tried finding like vet groups where like it's all combat vets who want to talk about shit and i'm not invited there you know i'm a scummy anarchist who is not in the military but they're like the only kind of people i can kind of relate to or whatever but so that that's that's a big thing so it is really helpful and i appreciate you holding space for it and like yeah yeah no i I, you know, we're, I feel sort of bad that this is kind of coming at the end of our end of the episode, but, um, do you, do you think you could talk or do you want to like, so like trauma therapy, the answer to how to deal with this sure. kind of stuff is trauma therapy. Is that the kind of, for me? Yeah. I don't know about other people. You know, I was just talking yeah. today on signal with some folks who were there. I was like, they're like, we're so glad you're coming back. Blah, blah, because the, a bunch of them never stopped. You know, some of them military dude from Canada went right back home. A couple other people went right back home. Our interpreter ended up hitting a anti-tank mine in the Donbass, like fucking three weeks later. And everyone in his crew died except for him. And, you know, like other people did different things, but like a bunch of us, kept doing what they were doing and i was yeah. like yeah i'm really sorry i needed to take so much time i don't know how you guys got over it so fast or dealt with it so fast and they're like we didn't we just have different ways of dealing with it so like for me it's trauma therapy uh, yeah. for other people it's different things you know yeah well do you um like out of this are you hoping um you know for people to support the work that you're doing is there something or whether it's supporting you directly or are there other things that you would like to point people towards of people who want to support getting uh, getting shit to where it needs to go in ukraine i mean honestly like i can be 
like selfish and be like donate to our org and like here's I mean, our PayPal. You can if you want. I know, but like it's just like at this point, I'm like, if you wanted to help by now, you you probably would have. Mm. I don't know. I'm like super. No, don't be cynical about it. Like what? There's like someone who's listening who probably gave some stuff at the beginning or maybe their yeah. financial situation has changed since the last exactly. time someone reminded them, you know? Exactly. I, I would say for anyone who wants to help and is like not wanting to go there and physically help rebuild houses or like help at an orphanage and change diapers or like bring aid to someone or or go mm-hmm. fucking fight, like whatever. Um, if you can't do that, I would pick an organization that is really transparent about what they do with their money. Um, talk to the people doing the actual runs. Cause in my experience, everyone's more than welcome to tell you what they're doing, what they're spending money on, how mm-hmm. they could use more money. Um, determine whether or not it's like a good thing for you. Like if you want to focus on just, you know, medical gear going to places who need it or food to like villages where it's only the elderly left who haven't left who can't leave you know whatever aligns with your specific worry about this conflict and and donate some fucking money to him because like you know most of my friends ran out of their savings they fucking used everything they had they're in debt now some of them just stay there because it's cheap and they don't have any more money and they can be of service there you know so like that's what i would do um i raised like five or six thousand bucks my first trip and i totally exhausted all of my funding resources so i have no more way to like get funding other than i've just been working for like seven weeks do you want the people who are listening to this to fund you is what i'm getting at sure yeah if you want me to drop my paypal on my venmo i'm absolutely please do so my venmo is at at um the fuck is my it's at eric dash woodbury dash two that's my birth name i don't give a fuck Mm -hmm. i'm not can you spell woodbury and Eric, yes, actually, could you just spell yeah, that for people? Capital E R I C dash capital W O O D B U R Y dash two, and there, my picture on there is a picture of my my ex holding my son. Um, yeah, and then my my PayPal is at jalutkowitz That's spelled J A L U T K. E W I C Z at gmail.com. It's my mom's maiden name. I'm, I'm, I'm Polish from the Ukrainian border, uh, with my heritage. So I've just always embraced my mom's maiden name, but that, those are my things. Um, I'm hesitant to give the name of the the organization I work with because I haven't talked to them. Um, so that's that any money you give to me will go right to them. Yeah, um, I think people honestly, now believe you from the, as you're describing the amount of work that you have gone through to give sure, people I just, the things you yeah, brought, you know? I just always feel like a fucking beggar or something, you know what I mean? No. I mean, I understand feeling that way, but no. Like, don't feel that way for at least but in yeah, this context, I've, you know? I've saved up like five or six grand working in the last two months, and I'm just using, I'm just paying my own way and yeah. just using that, so. Yeah. But I want I want to thank you for having me on and giving me space to like kind of rant about this stuff. I don't talk about it a lot, and I would like for other people to to you know be able to hear what's going on and like know about some of these experiences people are going through. And if yeah. anyone out there wants to reach out to me, my Instagram handle is the same. It's Jalikowitz. It's J A L U T K E W I C Z. My profile picture is a tooth with a giant hole out of it that someone ripped out of my face because 
I have bad fucking teeth because I grew up in foster care. But like, whatever. Yeah. I'm down to like talk about shit. Um, if you want to talk more about like how you can help, I can give you some direction or whatever, or just to say hi. Like, so. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and I, um, I hope that we get to have you back on to talk more about the stuff that you're working on in the near future. Thanks, Magpie. And I really appreciate, you know, you reaching out um, with our history and stuff. I was yeah. a scumbag when I was younger to all the listeners and like, was not, <laughs> the, not the coolest guy, but like I always had good, good moral compass and blah, blah, blah. But whatever. You were the um, first person wh- who was visibly AMAB with a woman's name that I hung out with. Oh, really? And that was really useful for me. Oh, that's great. I know. I'm surprised now, like when I meet that, like it's still kind of rare, um, but I like, you know, genderqueer politics and like, yeah. I don't identify as like a cis man and whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's been great. Like reconnect. I'd love to come back on. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please, well, probably support Agatha, but you know, please tell people about this podcast. Um, please. And also check out our other podcasts on the network Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, which includes Anarcho Geek Power Hour and the podcast Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. And if you want to support us more directly, you can do so by supporting us on Patreon. Your your Patreon donations help us pay for transcriptions. We're trying to get transcriptions for the other shows that on our network as well uh, to help accessibility. And you can support us at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. In particular, we'd like to thank Haas the Dog and Micaiah, Chris, Sam, Kirk, Eleanor, Jennifer, Starro, Kat, Jay, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Paige, SJ, Sean, Hunter, Theo, Boise Mutual Aid, Milica, Paparuna, Ali, Paige, Janice, Oxalis, and Jans. Uh, your support means so much, and I hope everyone is doing as well as they can with everything that's happening, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>